Well, well, well. Welcome to the next instalment of Five on Kieran Island again. Oh, do you know what? I'm loving this? I really am. Um, so we are on chapter 11 today and it's called George Makes a Hard Choice. And can you remember what happened at the end of last chapter yesterday? She has to decide whether or not to leave Timmy on the island behind without her. With her father. So, what does she decide to do? Well, let's find out. George makes a hard choice. There was a horrified silence. George stared at her father in complete dismay. Everyone waited to see what she would say. But father, Timmy and I have never been separated once, she said at last in a pleading voice. I, I do see you want him to guard you and you can have him. But I'll have to stay here too. Oh no, said her father at once. You can't possibly stay, George. That's out of the question. As for being separated from Timmy, well, surely you wouldn't mind that for once, if it was to ensure my safety. George swallowed hard. This was the most difficult decision she had ever had to make in her life. Leave Timmy behind on the island where there was some unknown hidden enemy likely to harm him if he possibly could. And yet there was father too. He might be in danger if there was no one to guard him. I shall just have to stay here, father, she said. I can't leave Timmy behind unless I stay too. It's no good. Her father began to lose his temper. He was like George. He wanted his own way and if he didn't have it, he was going to make a fuss. If I'd asked Julian or Dick or Anne this same thing and they'd had a dog, they would have all said yes at once, he raged. But you, George, you must always make things difficult if you can. You and that dog. Anyone would think he was worth a thousand pounds. He's worth much more than that to me, said George in a trembling voice. Timmy crept nearer to her and pushed his nose into his hand. her hand. She held his collar as if she would not let him go for a moment. Ha! Huh, yes! That dog's worth more to you than your father or mother or anyone, said her father in disgust. No, Quentin, I can't have you saying things like that, said his wife firmly. That is just silly. A mother and father are quite different from a dog. They're loved in different ways. But you are perfectly right, of course. Timmy must stay behind with you. And I shall certainly not allow George to stay with him. I'm not going to have both of you exposed to danger. It's bad enough to worry about you as it is. George tell, looked at her mother in dismay. Oh, mother, 
you tell father I must stay here with Timmy? Certainly not, said her mother. Now, George, be unselfish. If it were left to Tim to decide, you know perfectly well that he would stay here and stay without you. He would say to himself, I'm needed here. My eyes are needed to spy out enemies and my ears to hear a quiet footfall and maybe my teeth to protect my master. I shall be parted from George for a few days, but she, like me, is Big enough to put up with that. That's what Timmy would say, George, if it were left to him. Everyone had been listening to this unexpected speech with great attention. It was about the only one that could persuade George to give in willingly. She looked at Timmy. He looked back at her, wagging his tail. Then he did an extraordinary thing. He got up walked over to George's father and lay down beside him, looking at George as if to say, there you are, now you know what I think is right. You see, said her mother, he agrees with me. You've always said that Timmy was a good dog and this proves it. He knows what his duty is. You ought to be proud of him. I am said George in a choky voice. She got up and walked off. All right, she said over her shoulder. I'll leave him on the island with father. I'll come back in a minute. Anne got up to go after poor George, but Julian pulled her down again. Leave her alone. She'll be all right. Good old Timmy, you know what's right and what's wrong, don't you? Good dog, splendid dog. Timmy wagged his tail. He did not attempt to follow George. Nope, he meant to stay by her father now, even though he would much rather be with his mistress. He was sorry that George was unhappy, but sometimes it was better to do a hard thing and be unhappy about it than try to be happy without doing it. Oh, Quentin, dear, I don't like this business of you being here and somebody else spying on you, said his wife. I really don't. How long will it be before you've finished your work? A few days more, said her husband. He looked at Timmy admiringly. That dog might almost have known what you were saying, Fanny, just now. It was remarkable the way he walked straight over to me. He's a very clever dog, said Anne warmly. Aren't you, Tim? You'll be quite safe with him, Uncle Quentin. He's terribly fierce when he wants to be. Um, yes, I shouldn't care to have him leaping at my throat said her uncle. He's so big and powerful. Are there any more pieces of cake? Quentin, it's really too bad of you to go without your meal, said his wife. It's no good telling me you haven't because you wouldn't be as ravenous as this if you had your food regularly. Her husband took no notice of what she was saying. He was looking up at his tower. Do you ever see those wires at the top blaze out, he asked. Wonderful sight, isn't it? Uncle, you're not inventing a new atom bomb or anything, are you? asked Anne. Her uncle looked at her scornfully. I wouldn't waste my time inventing things that will be used to kill and maim people. No, I'm inventing something that will be of the greatest use to mankind. You wait and see. 
George came back. Father, she said, I'm leaving Timmy behind for you. But please, will you do something for me? What? asked her father. No silly conditions now. I shall feed Timmy regularly and look after him, if that's what you want to ask me. I may forget my own meals, but you ought to know me well enough to know I shouldn't neglect any animal dependent on me. Yes, I know, father, said George, looking a bit doubtful all the same. What I wanted to ask you was this. When you go up in the tower to signal each morning, will you please take Timmy with you? I shall be up at the Coast Guard's cottage, looking through his telescope at the glass room in the tower, and I shall be able to see Timmy then. If I catch just a glimpse of him each day, and know he's all right, I shan't worry so much. Very well, said her father, but I don't suppose for a moment that Timmy will be able to climb up the spiral stairway. Oh, he can, father. He's been up it all once already, said George. Oh, good heavens, said her father. Has the dog been up there too? Oh, all right, George. I promise I'll take him up with me each morning that I signal. Get him to wag his tail at you. There. Will that satisfy you? Yes, thank you, said George. And you will give him a few kind words and a, a pat occasionally, father, won't you? And and put his bib on him at mealtimes, I suppose, and clean his teeth for him at night, said her father, looking cross again. I shall treat Timmy like a proper grown-up dog, a friend of mine, George. And believe me, that's the way he wants to treat me to treat him, isn't it, Timmy? You like all those frills to be kept for your mistress, don't you? Not for me. Woof! said Timmy, and thumped his tail. The children looked at him admiringly. He really was a very sensible, clever dog. He seemed somehow much more grown up than George. Uncle, if anything goes wrong, or you want help or anything, flash 18 times again, said Julian. You ought to be all right with Timmy. He's better than a dozen policemen, but you never know. Right, 18 flashes if I want you over here for anything, said his uncle. I'll remember. Now, you better all go. It's time I got on with my work. You'll pour that soup away, won't you, Quentin? said his wife anxiously. You don't want to make yourself ill by eating bad soup. It must be green by now. It would be so like you to forget all about it while it was fresh and good and only remember when it was bad. What a thing to say, said her husband, getting up. Anyone would think I was five years old without a brain in my head, the way you talk to me. Oh, you've plenty of brains, dear. We all know that, said his wife. But you don't seem very old sometimes. Now... Look after yourself and keep Timmy by you all the time. Oh, father won't need to bother about that, said George. Timmy will keep by him. You're on guard, Timmy, aren't you? And you know what that means. Woof, said Timmy solemnly. He went with them all to the boat, but he did not attempt to get in. He stood by George's father and watched the boat bob away over the water. Goodbye, Timmy, 
shouted George in a funny, fierce voice. Look after yourself. Her father waved and Timmy wagged his tail. George took one of the pairs of oars from Dick and began to row furiously, her face red with the hard work. Julian looked at her in amusement. It was hard work for him, too, to keep up with a furious rowing. But he didn't say anything. He knew all this fury in rowing was George's way of hiding her grief at parting with Timmy. Funny old George. She was always so intense about things. Furiously happy or furiously unhappy. In the seventh heaven of delight or down in the very of despair or anger. Everyone talked so hard so that George would think they were not noticing her feelings at parting with Timmy. The talk, of course, was mostly about the unknown man on the island. It seemed very mysterious indeed that he should suddenly have arrived. How did he get there? I'm not. Sh I'm sure not one of the fishermen would have taken him, said Dick. He must have gone at night, of course. And I doubt if there is anyone but George who would know the way in the dark or even try to find it. Those rocks are so close together and so near the surface. One yard out of the right course and any boat would have a hole in the bottom. And no one could reach the island by swimming from the shore, said Anne. It's too far, and the sea is too rough over those rocks. I honestly do wonder if there is anyone on the island after all. Perhaps that cigarette end was an old one. Oh, it didn't look it, said Julian. Well, it just beats me how anyone got there. He fell into thought, puzzling out all the possible and impossible ways. Then he gave an exclamation. The others looked at him. Oh, I've just thought. Would it be possible for an aeroplane to parachute anyone down on the island? I did hear a throbbing noise one night. Was it last night? It must have been a plane's engine, of course. Anyone... Possibly. Oh, I don't know. Could anybody be dropped on the island? Oh, easily, said Dick. I believe you've hit on the explanation, Jew. Good for you. But I say, whoever it is must be in deadly earnest to risk being dropped on a small island like that in the dark of night. Ooh... In deadly earnest, that did not sound at all nice. A little shiver went down Anne's back. I am glad Timmy's there, she said, and everyone felt the same. Yes, even George. Well, um, ha ha ha. So she made the right decision, I think, definitely, to keep her dad safe. Wouldn't you have done the same thing? I think, oh, excuse me while I yawn, I think that 
Um, she definitely made the right decision. But, 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 I also think it was a very difficult one. But Timmy took it out of her hands, didn't he? He decided for her, which I think is an amazing achievement for a dog. Uh, right, so tomorrow, I wonder if there really is somebody on the island and if that is the correct answer from Julian, that they drop down by parachute. Maybe that's the only answer. Hmm. So tomorrow maybe we'll find out so don't forget come back and join me tomorrow and hopefully we'll find out and soon find out who it is as well and what they want oh my goodness me anyway you all go and have the most amazing day uh, make sure you take care and stay safe and make sure you come back and join me tomorrow to find out more about this mysterious stranger on the island. <laughs> and to also see if Timmy attacks anybody. Oh. Anyway, I will see you all again tomorrow. So, bye for now.